the inmates were running the asylum. I want to go to speak to millions and help people get out from underneath their sheets, you know, up onto their feet and moving from a place of feeling stuck. If you don't believe in your dreams, believe in them. Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. Say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. Hi, I'm Andrew Wallace, and welcome to the first episode of the We've Got a Problem podcast, where I'm hoping each week we'll explore inspiring stories of struggle, success, and how our guests have turned prevalent problems into opportunities. This week, I'm joined by Tina Davis, a personal trainer, coach, and mother to two children. And she's been my personal trainer for how long, Tina? Gosh, since I've known you, since you were five. Since so I was, that was like five years old, exactly. <laughs> so I've known you like 30 years. Yeah, yeah, 30 something years. Something years. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining me on the show today. I really appreciate you making the drive and coming out here. My pleasure. One of the things we're obsessed with on this show is talking about why the choices we make matter. And you've had a lot of different choices that you've made throughout your life that have made an impact and brought yourself from struggling with certain things to triumphing over adversity, struggle. When you've got a problem, you've turned those problems into opportunities. And that's what we're all about. So what I, before we get into a lot of the other meat, I want to know where you came from. What was your, what was your childhood like? Wow, that's probably why I'm where I'm today, making lemonade out of lemons, right? Yeah. It's like I, I grew up in a chaotic household where there was no mother, father taking care of us. And I call it the inmates were running the asylum. <laughs> <laughs> it was chaos. You know, I had a brother that was on drugs and alcohol. My mom was like trying to take care of four kids. She's on Valium sleeping on the couch. It was just, you know. So I... On the other hand, like at age five, decided to raise myself and and move. And that's where the beginnings of exercising and moving, which I really believe today that has saved my life. I'm and sure it has. So when you were when you were starting to get out there and get moving, you'd walk out of that house full of just darkness. You know, so many mornings I would wake up and I didn't want to get out of bed. Right. I'd have headaches, stomach aches. And one day I had this nudge going, you know what? Put your happy clothes on at the end of the bed. And mm -hmm. I'm like, okay. So I put clothes on that match from head to toe. Yep. Shoes. Yep. And I started doing that. And sometimes I would sleep with them on because by the time <laughs> I had them on, I'd be like, all of a sudden, you know, you see a five-year-old all happy and yeah. wiggling and waggling. And that would actually get me down the stairs where I was excited about getting outside. Then I would go into the bathroom and again... It was God touching me saying, look at yourself. You're more than what you're feeling. Yes. Look at yourself. There's more. Look in those eyes. Look at your soul. And I would stare 5, 10, 15 minutes. And I'd be like this little kid trying to get it so close and my eyeballs are touching. And as soon as I felt that I'm okay, mm -hmm. I would go out the door. I walk would out the door. Walk out the door, out into the kitchen. And then I'd go get my favorite huge bowl of Captain Crunch. <laughs> A real healthy <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> you know, to the brim, all the milk and the crunch berries, and I would chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. And, chew and, and then 
It's like every bite was better than the next. And I was getting so excited to go for my day. I just thought about getting out the door. Yep. And that's when I'd put the bowl away, grab my lunch, and I'd go to the front door. I'd tiptoe. I was so in fear of waking up my mom because, oh, my goodness, she would throw tantrums, and it was just not not healthy, not pretty. (laughs) (laughs) And I would tiptoe out the door at Lake Lake Tahoe. So blessed growing up there because it gave me a place where I could just be. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I'd open the door, I could breathe. Yes. Breathe and walk. And well, then, and not just breathe from a kind of psychological perspective, but actually a physical perspective, because your mother was a smoker, smoked in the house. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it was a smoke filled. Everything was smoke. Yeah. The car, everything. Oh. oh, my God. So as soon as I got out, I could take the deepest breath of air. And that great Lake Tahoe air just. Oh. <sighs> Just the trees, looking at the trees, the beauty, you know, taking my way myself from this house that was just so filled with smoke and darkness to outside where I'm like looking at trees, big, huge, tall trees, the lake. Oh my God, the shimmering blue lake. Of course. The tall Mount Talak, the huge mountains. And just to enjoy that, to, to I mean, to put your feet on the ground and mm-hmm. feel all of that at the same time. It's, it's, that may have been one of the other things that, that saved you, that got you going, that you had that to, to go yeah. back to when you, when you walked out the door. Yeah. So when you grew up a little bit, you went to college. When did you start getting into fitness? Had you started as a teenager or were you, was it after college? I started getting into fitness early on in college. Okay. I was always in sports. I was always playing basketball, skiing, baseball, and doing all my sports. But getting into fitness myself, running and working out was freshman year in college at University of Nevada, Reno, where, you know, you're drinking too much, eating too much, <laughs> and... You know, not get enough sleep, and you're like all of a sudden going, oh, my God, I'm gaining weight. I can't fit in my jeans anymore. And feeling yucky. You know, that's when depression hit me. Sure. And so every time I would go out for a run, depression would lift. Mm -hmm. So I became a runner at age 18. Awesome. So you got into fitness in college, and you're also searching for religion at the same time. And uh, I remember you telling me a story about how you joined a church, and then when they found out that you were experimenting with uh, same-sex attraction at the same time, that they uh, were, were, were somewhat anti that. And so you stopped going to the church. <laughs> I ran. I totally ran. I like locked my doors. They came and got me. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was I was into my twenties then. Okay. And I was I was searching. I was searching for God and and I had just moved back from New Zealand actually and um I was trying to find myself and it was in this swirl, I call it like a tornado in my sexuality. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like my brother and my sister-in-law are going to church. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll go to church with you. I'll go, I'll go see what it's like. You know, everybody's like, yeah, you'll be saved by Jesus and God. And then everything is forgiven and you're, you're okay. So I'm like, that sounds good to me. So I go to church. And sure enough, they break out into these groups. And they started asking me my story. And I started telling them, like, matter of fact, they're not going to judge me. Oh, my goodness. They, I don't know what verse they pulled out. But they're like, you live in the dark. You, 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 you know, and, and you need to be saved. You need to be born again. And I'm, oh my goodness, I never felt so much shame and guilt and oh, just feeling imagine. gross. I can imagine. Oh, I, I, you know, I went home and I never went back. I was like, no, 
This and is then not. they and then they came and found you and were knocking at the door like, "Where have you been? Why haven't you come to church?" That Sunday, yeah, they didn't see me there, so they came to get me. And I just remember just like I don't hear them, and I'm like pulling the covers over my head, going, "No." That year, that year, I found a few people that were just not accepting of being gay. Uh-huh. You know, this is back in the '80s. No, no, '90s. Well, you know, right when it's starting to ch- change and shift. Right. So, how did you end up in New Zealand? Oh, that's a good story. Uh, I got to New Zealand with my first girlfriend, who I met at a gay bar in Los Angeles in Long Beach. Got her number, and I was so good excited. I was like, you know, this is it. Right. And This is it. We're done. We're done. <laughs> I'm in love, and we're going to live happily ever after. Yeah, I moved to New Zealand with her. <laughs> now, had you done any bodybuilding to that point? No, I was just new into the personal okay. training business. And I was working at Mid-Valley Athletic Club. And I was just getting into fitness. And when I moved to New Zealand, I was so bored because I wasn't doing anything. I left here going, oh, I'm I'm going to go start anew. I'm going to, you know, I didn't even know what I was doing. Right, as what? what yeah, <laughs> start anew. So I joined a gym. Okay. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's this bodybuilding competition. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. I'll, you know, to to meet people and to do it. And um, that's all I did. I worked out and I ran. It was it was a, an experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, to go to to go to a foreign country. I mean, even though they speak English, it's it's an entirely different experience. I mean, it's however it may be in in the United States to go, especially at a younger age, to go over to New Zealand. I cannot imagine how both amazing it would be and how different it would be at the same time to to miss the the things and the people that you that were familiar I mean was there any issue with that when you were over there you know what when I left here I thought oh my god I'm gonna start anew when I got over there I missed everybody here and I never knew that LA was home New Zealand was great it was beautiful but wherever you go your baggage comes with you and you have to deal with that inner stuff that those issues that knock at your you know your childhood issues and stuff mm-hmm. and going to New Zealand didn't take that didn't away didn't take that away it didn't take it away it didn't take away any of my depression didn't take any my sexuality it actually made everything worse yeah. And when I came back to L.A., I was like touching the ground going, oh, thank God I'm home. I think it was one of the best moves I ever did. And how long were you there? A year and a half. Good Lord. A year and a half. That's a long time. So we've talked about uh, a couple of different things about how you kind of got your start. But you've moved pretty quickly into building a very successful personal training business over the course of, Lord, 30 years. 30, almost 35 years. You've you've been at, since I've known you, you've been at nine different gyms. <laughs> <laughs> now 10 is my own home. 10, your own home, thanks to COVID. Yes. The, uh, and, and, and retained clients. So... Let's talk about another problem that you managed to turn into an opportunity. You, you you were one of those personal trainers that actually worked a lot. Not like a lot of people who call themselves personal trainers. You actually have a degree <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and have trained in it. But you've also trained a lot of clients. You, it was an actual full-time job for you, not something that you did on the side to supplement your acting income like so many people <laughs> seem to. <laughs> no, I was all in, all in. And it's, I worked 60 hours a week or more, 60 hours a week. you know, seeing 20, 25 clients a day. At the end of the day, I was deflated tired. and right. tired and stressed yep. and I didn't realize it, but I love what I do. So I just kept 
doing it and feeding feeding yep. into that energy. But when the pandemic hit, yep, we were talking about. I went down to ten hours a week. Ten hours a week. Yeah. And wondering what I was going to do. What did you do? I stressed out for about a week. Okay. Or two. Okay. We'll give up and give myself a couple weeks. But I started to fall into this place where this is a, this is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And it is my opportunity where like I wanted to slow down. There was part of me that wanted to slow down. And yep. it has slowed me down where I could sit and go outside and hang out with my dogs sit out and hang out with my partner, mm-hmm. go and travel and go wakeboarding and, and just do things that, that feed my soul and, and brings a smile to my face, be with my friends. And the more I did it every day, it felt better. And then all of a sudden I started to grow. My business grew again. Yep. You know, it was like snap of the fingers. And all of a sudden I'm like working a lot again. <laughs> I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I rebuilt it and, it, and it's awesome. So you've turned you turned a a huge problem. What am I going to do into a huge opportunity yeah. to reinvent yourself and find and in a, in a sense to maximize the the fun and enjoyment that you used to have long ago before it started sucking all the time and, <laughs> and energy out of you by the end of the day. You've now kind of transitioned also into coaching. Yes. And doing some personal coaching. What do you call it? What's the what's the term? I'm still in the throes of developing that. But I'm, I'd like to call myself as a wellness coach, an overall coach. I've been in this program at Grand Canyon University to get my master's, and it has been such an eye-opener. You know, it makes my work in personal training easy. Going back to school after 30-plus years is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> With that saying, it's awesome because I get to take, like right now I'm in a life coaching class, Mm -hmm. and I get to take my skills and I can see how I can take it into my work with my personal training clients and get new coaching clients. Yes. And to help people move forward in a different way, not just with exercise, but also within their work life, within their relationships with their partners, with their kids, with whatever they want to do. Right. You know, and that's awesome. And it's so awesome to take what you know from personal training for all these years and what you've seen and how you've watched clients grow, evolve, change, improve, all those things, all the people that you've helped to take that and go, look, you love to help people. Now you've found an opportunity to help people in connected ways. To, to get the synergy of what you've learned. I mean, how movement saved your life, as you've said, mm-hmm. and apply that more broadly to really help people thrive. That's amazing yeah. that you've found yeah. that opportunity. Yeah. And I hope that, that, that we'll see that. What are we going to see? Corporate events now? Are you going to oh, yeah. be? Yeah, di- yeah. I have big, big ideas, big dreams that are not just dreams. They'll unfold. I'm working right now on movement medicine, and that's my dream is to go across America. I have a awesome motorhome, okay. Outlaw Thor, that's all <laughs> equipped as stage. That I want to go to speak to millions and help people get out from underneath their sheets, you know, up onto their feet and moving from a place of feeling stuck. Yes. You know, not wanting to get up to a place where they're moving and they have purpose and they have this joy about it. I've done it where I've stayed in bed. Yep. And canceled and stopped my day because of feeling like that. And it happened in the pandemic and it happens here and there. But I stopped myself. There's so much life to live. Yes. And staying in bed, being depressed, makes it worse. You're still in the fire. Right. And when you just brush it off and you get up and out and go, there's a different fire. There's well, a different life. 
you talk about getting up on your feet. And one of the things that I know about depression is that a, a lot of depressives have trouble getting started. Yes. Right? It's just the getting started. Mm-hmm. And once you're into it, as, as I mean, we've talked about this before uh, outside the podcast, that a lot of people show up to a personal training appointment once it becomes kind of habit that they just, that that's their time and they show up, if they show up at all, right? Assuming they don't cancel. But still, they show up and they go, I don't feel like working out today. You know, I, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm uh, I'm frustrated. I'm I'm stressed. I had a hard day. You know, I don't I don't feel like it. And you go well. Let's start with something easy. Let's let's get moving. You know, that first round that might suck a bit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, just, I was just talking to a client about that. Just show up. Yeah. Just show up, and anything you're going to do, just show up. I had a client, two clients this morning, but my client five thirty in the morning, and I'm like, "Let's be gentle with you today." And she's like, "Oh, thank God, Tina." <laughs> and I'm like, "Okay, let's start on the floor." And we just started moving slowly throughout, and before we're like running out of time in the hour, and she's feeling better. Yep. She's feeling more energetic. Yep. The headache is lifted. The stuffiness, the slowness. All of a sudden, she's moving faster, and that's the matter. Going with your energy. Yes. Not not pushing so much because that's the, there are times when you go, look, I really don't feel like it. Fine. But also let's take that piece of data into our brain mm-hmm. and go, you may not feel like it, but I'll bet you'll enjoy it once you're going to get a little bit of movement. Like you say, movement medicine. Even somebody coming in to do bodybuilding, right? You've you've competed in how many bodybuilding competitions? Five. Five. Yeah, five. Five bodybuilding, five bodybuilding competitions. competitions. So you know what? Well, you know, you know what it was, what was involved back in the day versus now, because you've continued to do bodybuilding competitions into like more advanced age. Not that you're old, but (laughs) most people do bodybuilding competitions in their twenties. Right. Right. And and you've done them into your 50s. Yeah, I just did one, what, three years ago now, 55 years old. 55 years old. Yeah, I took first place. Congratulations. Yay! But I have to say, when you're older, it's so much better to do things. Older and wiser, I should say. I was able to, I could, the comparison is when I was doing it five years ago, just when I was 50, I was so stressed out trying to get the workouts in, get right. the posing down. This time, I had the mindset, I'm going on. On stage i'm going to do the best i can and just follow each day and do it that's it yeah. do my best and forget the rest that's forget the, the rest that's that and that's that's part of the thing right so you know you go into these bodybuilding you, you start training for bodybuilding that's months of training working on the diet it's it's much more involved than just somebody who's trying to get healthy because you can't miss a day you've got to no, you've I mean, got to show there's a routine, up there's food food prep but on I'll, top of working because it's it would be a full-time job for somebody to just train for a bodybuilding competition but you actually have to pay the bills yeah <laughs> so the part of the thing for me is I'm sure on many of those days, even in, in your most recent competition, that you'd get into, you know, you'd have your list of things that you needed to do, your your routine that you had to do that day, and that some days you're like, I don't feel like it. Oh, God. There was there was a few days there that I did not want to do it. But you just put one foot in front of the other. And what's, what's the line we're saying? Show up. Show up. Show up. And like what you and I were talking about the other day, not having to hit the pavement so hard and not force it. It's, right. it's like get up in the morning like I did this morning I didn't feel like working out yet and I haven't I meditated instead so there's other ways to move I've, I'm finding other ways there's writing you know breathing writing breathing stretching stretching just 
stretch. And hey, on, on a day when you don't feel like doing anything else, just going for a walk is meditative, restorative, and, and all those things. What I, One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, you and a couple of other trainers that you knew opened a gym several years ago. And you went from, you, you did what a lot of personal trainers have tried to do, at least from my observation, which is you go from being very successful personal trainers to being gym owner managers, <laughs> which is a different hat to put on, right? How was that? I wanted to, the first word that came to my mind was babysitter. Oh, it was my, you know, in New Zealand, backtrack, when I was in New Zealand, I drew out the gyms that I wanted. And I you always drew had, out, already you made a plan. I already made a plan. That was like five years prior. I wrote out a gym that I wanted. And so the first gym that I opened with a couple other people was called Action Personal Training. And it was so exciting. Oh my God. I didn't realize it was a dream come true because I was so young. I was like, oh my God, you know, you don't realize it. Here it is unfolding and we're breaking down the walls ourselves or putting the carpet down, picking out all the new equipment. How exciting is that? Super exciting. Oh, so exciting. And then getting the trainers, and we had all the trainers on board because we came from another gym that had closed down. So it right. was like a an already win-win situation. But then you have to like get along with the people you're in business with. And right. that's not just like a partnership, friendship. All of a sudden, there's... Well, that's the never do business with yeah, friends thing, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, we can we can be in the same room and be working alongside each other when we're equal and and running our own separate businesses, mm-hmm. you know, as personal trainers oftentimes do in the same gym, right? But being in business with each other, emotions can get raw. Oh yeah, because one person want, wants one thing and another person wants another, and then it just doesn't work, right? I mean, and what broke that business up was I got married at the time, mm-hmm. and Michael wanted to become a trainer. And I wanted him to work with us. And he was already helping with the books and working it because he was part of it. But they didn't want him to work there. Right. They saw a conflict of interest. So after like five times of trying with Honey, I finally said, hands up, surrender. Right. And we went and opened up Gym Spot. Gym Spot 1. Gym Spot 1. <laughs> and, you know, it's and it was awesome. Yeah. Gym Spot 1 was awesome in itself. But then it was hard because we didn't have all the trainers. You think all the trainers are going to come with you. But right. it's almost like a divorce. So it was, it was hard. And then I'm married and I want to, you know, I'm still exploring my sexuality. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then it just, but in hindsight, I'm so glad I did it because they were all like all these, what I'm learning, all these dreams are Mm -hmm. all stepping stones. Right. And you, and our dreams are made to, to come true. Yes. And you have to go for your dreams. That's what keeps us living and moving and going. And anybody out there, if you don't believe in your dreams, believe in them. Well, that's, I'm, what's impressive to me, okay, is you drew out gyms (laughs) gyms <laughs> I did <laughs> and weren't even sure how or or where you were going to make that happen but that didn't stop you from dreaming about it Mm-mm. not for, not for a minute Mm-mm. and then perhaps even without realizing it you realized your dream and yes. there you are you've got the gym and once you had it you're like okay that box is checked <laughs> <laughs> next and what's next <laughs> what's next and now i know maybe you know it's not all that i that i dreamed it to be and that's okay too i did that i fulfilled my dream and i've got others and i'm going to move on to those as well yeah and the one that i drew out right. was not the first one that i opened it was the second one oh because it had the rooms on the outside that had massage therapists nutritionist nail massage it had everything and it wasn't yeah till like gym 3 Right. Yeah. 
It's it's crazy if you think about it. You know, you think you know this dream is just going to be the ultimate. No, dreams get better and better and bigger and bigger. Yes, you just have to keep open. Yes, that's the that's the key. That that's the key. Not close up and roll yourself in a ball, thinking nobody likes you. Right, and you're not going to get out there. Uh, absolutely true. So I have a couple questions for you as we kind of move toward finishing up here. If you were talking to somebody today who's just starting from scratch in their fitness movement journey, and I'm talking broadly, you know, somebody who's been hungering for making a change in their life and and starting to move more, and just hasn't, they've realized the importance, but they haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. Do you what what what's your advice for them? I say. If you have the money, get a trainer. Get somebody who can hold your hand and guide you through it and take you through the the steps and get you going. So you have somebody to be accountable to. And when people look for a trainer, they don't need to find somebody that they see multiple times a week and all that. They could find somebody that they see once a week, once a month even, to set them up almost like a coach to monitor their progress. I would say up front, a couple of sessions to get them experienced with what they're doing and follow up with it. So it doesn't have to be a a super expensive commitment like people might think it would be. Absolutely. And it depends on who you are. You know, I have clients who I can write out the program and they're like, they'll do it. I've met those people. I've met those people too. (laughs) Aren't you one of them? I believe I am. Uh, Or I have clients who I'll write out a program and they never look at it and they don't do it. So there's, you have to figure out what kind of person you are. And if you're the kind of person that's self-motivated, man, you don't have to spend that much on training. And it's like, it's almost a godsend for a trainer to be able to say, here, here's the workout, go do it. And then they come back and they're like a dog and they want more. Right. Yes. You know, and they, exactly. Yeah. But there's different ways that you can train. You can get people to help you. Get a friend. Call a friend and say, hey, you want to go for a walk? You want to work out? If you've got the money, get a personal trainer. If you don't, find somebody, find a a workout buddy. Yeah. There's YouTube even. Yeah. YouTube. You go on YouTube, you can find so many workouts. There's so many trainers out there. You got to pick the right one though. That's that's the only thing. Picking somebody who's genuine and is not going to sell you. Yeah. You've got to learn enough about that's that's one of those things about educating yourself about anything. You've got to learn what's BS and what's yes, not, yes. and be able to recognize that up front. So you do have to do a little research, but that does that shouldn't stop you from starting to move to yeah. just go with it. Right, and, and the easiest thing you can do is put on those tennis shoes, lace them up, go out the door, go around your block. You know, absolutely. These are some questions we ask all of our guests on the show. And by I say all of our guests, I mean I'm starting with you and we're going to go from there. <laughs> but I'm going to try and ask these questions of, of almost every guest. What's the most surprising, unexpected detour that your career has taken? It's rarely a straight path to success. I mean, Albert Einstein was a patent clerk. Did I became a personal trainer? Yeah. There you go. What's the biggest fallacy lie in your business that it seems like everybody buys into? The most overrated is people buying into all these diets that are out there that they think it's going to be the cure to lose their weight or the exercise they're going to lose their weight. That is the biggest fallacy because the biggest thing one could ever do for losing weight and getting fit is working from the inside Mm -hmm. and working on the issues of why you're overeating why you're not exercising, why you're depressed. Work on those issues while you're moving 
Yes. And while you're eating healthy, well, you don't have to follow any of these diets right. or these regimens that people are putting out there. Well, any of those crash uh, diet res- regimens, all that strict stuff, I mean, they've been shown not to work because people can't stick with them. You might lose weight on some fad diet, but you need to find something that actually is a way to live, not a program to follow temporarily. If I said to you, Tina, you can never, ever have ice cream, cake, french fries, steak, all those things, you might go, you know what? I can probably do without having ice cream most of the time. It's not something I have regularly, but never Never. never. Never, like on my never. birthday? And every time I say never, I go for it all. I eat the whole buffet. <laughs> the diets don't work for right. me. Yeah. You know, they don't. I mean, I'll do the bodybuilding diet, but I enjoy it. Right. I enjoy that. And I don't, in, and it's a healthy eating. People think it's like this this eating that's right. that's Crazy. bad for you. Perhaps one of the things, I mean, I think even Julia Child. People. I love her. <laughs> But she said, look, if you the, the worst thing that's happened is when the nutritionist got a hold of food and they've just destroyed all the enjoyment of it. One of life's greatest pleasures is eating food. And if you analyze every single calorie and every bit of it, you take all the enjoyment out of eating that ever was. Oh, I know. Look at all the restaurants. You look up on the wall to order and the calories are there. Oh, yeah. And it's like... Which is important. I mean, hey, look... If you're mindful of those things and you didn't realize it, right? You haven't yet educated yourself on the difference between that's true. You're those right. things, right? And you, and you go, "Holy crap! I didn't realize that burrito had seventeen hundred calories. That's my daily allotment." I mean, you can think through those things and go, "Okay, now I know." Beyond that, if you're just looking at the calorie count every time, you're really missing out. And when it, look at all the cultures across the world, what is the one thing that they celebrate with? Food. Food. It's a it's a celebration <laughs> and it's it's a you know presentation and it brings people around the table and people share their lives together around yep. food. And I think what happens is that America I can only speak for America mostly, but people are not educated. Mm-hmm. And if you look at look at the movie Fed Up, it is a movie that talks about how fat America is. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the area. When people are so obese and out of shape that they're not living past 40, that and kids, I think it was like one out of 3 kids. And then you look at their parents and they're obese. And so it's like this this ripple effect. Right. And it is sad. It really is because these people are not going to have a long lifespan. So fad diets, totally overrated, getting us probably in the opposite direction we need to head. Mm-hmm. Finding a healthy way to eat mm-hmm. and kind of changing our our way of dealing with food, looking at food, approaching food mm-hmm. is a much better way to do it, in your opinion. Yes. What is the most underrated concept that you think people overlook? Looking in the mirror and loving themselves. You know, they're looking at everything else, the shiny objects, the money, the losing the weight, the mm-hmm. car, and all that to feed them. And when you, like, look in the mirror and you see yourself, right. you say, I love you, I think that's the greatest gift you can give yourself. That's an important thing to remember for all of our guests and probably a good note to close on, mm-hmm. which is there's a big difference between being healthy and having a picture on a magazine. <sighs> Because if you're not experiencing negative health outcomes, if you're happy the way you look, you're probably okay right where you are. And just stay active. The happiness. You can see people that are so fit. And I see them in the gym all the time. And I was one of them, you know, where you walk around and you're so angry and so uptight and sad. 
And you're missing it. You're missing the point. If you're feeling unhappy, go downtown, go look at people's tents, go look at what people don't have, and then come back home and then look at what you have, you and, know? And look in the mirror. Yeah, look in the mirror. And celebrate your Celebr- victories. Yes. And how you look yes. and how great you are and that yeah. you're upright on your own two feet. Celebrate. Celebrate. Yeah. It's all what it's all about. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope people got something out of your message. I certainly did. You're welcome. Thank you. If you're interested in learning more about Tina Davis, you can find her on Instagram at Tina Movement or on Facebook at Tina Davis Fit. If you like this show, consider subscribing to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Andrew Wallace, and we don't have a problem. We've got an opportunity. 